Welcome to Reception Insider. My name is Kathy Back and I'm the Faculty Manager of the RACGP in Tasmania. Hi, and I'm Ann Davis, Faculty Manager in New South Wales and ACT. The topic for today's podcast is in our Accreditation Standards series, and we are discussing Accreditation Core Standard 2.2, the presence of a third party during a consultation. We need to make sure that our practice obtains prior consent for the presence of a third party during a consultation. This needs to be documented in the patient's health record so there is an accurate record of who was present during a consultation. That documentation is really important. And also, prior consent to the presence of the third party does need to be arranged by the practice. So that's before the consultation starts. And the practice must ask the patient if they consent to having a third party introduced by the practice present during the consultation. For example, a third party could be an interpreter, a GP registrar, a chaperone, a medical student, or perhaps an allied health or nursing student, a rehabilitation consultant, or perhaps another member of the family or a carer. That's right, Anne, and we have to remember that even if the patient has previously given consent for a third party to attend a consultation with them, they have to give consent again at the time of consultation, and this needs to be documented in the patient's health record. So even if they come in and it's a workers' compensation consultation and they have their rehab provider with them, you need to make sure that every time the patient consents. So that's very, very important. Cathy, what about if a patient is not able to provide consent? For example, if the patient has an intellectual disability. So I guess in this case, the practice must seek the consent from the legal guardian or the advocate who's been appointed. Would that be right? That person that oversees the interests of the patient? Correct. And then that would also need to be documented in the patient's case notes. Okay. So the important thing is how can the receptionist support the practice and the practice manager in meeting this criterion? What sort of things can the receptionist do? Well, I think you need to document in the health record that the patient has given their consent to the presence of a third party arranged by the practice or that they have brought in themselves. So to do that, they could do things like maintain a policy about the presence of a third party during the consultation. So have a policy in the practice about how they manage the presence of a third party. You could include information about the third party policy in the induction manual for a practice team. So Anne, when you have a new staff member begin working with you, you would go through this as a part of the induction process. What else do you think Anne would be helpful? I guess, you know, when I've worked reception or or I've been a manager and helping reception, having some signs about when that medical student or nursing student is at the practice, just having that little bit of forewarning, they come in, they see it on the wall. So when they're at reception, it's not too much of a surprise. And I think the other thing is that sometimes if there's a chaperone, it's actually useful to make sure that we identify who that person is. Or even if someone's mother is coming into the consultation, perhaps rather than just saying mother or chaperone, actually jotting down that person's name as well. 
The other thing that comes to mind for me also is, say it's a male doctor and they need to do a pap smear. Often they will bring a nurse in as a chaperone during that process. And I think having that documented in the notes is legally a good thing for the doctor as well. In case there should ever be any query in the future, you know, I think that's vitally important that that's always documented who has been in the room at the time. So this brings Criterion 2.2 to an end. And to all the receptionists, thank you for doing what you do.